This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the BBC Good Food Podcast with Tom Kerridge. I'm your podcast host, Orlando Murrin, and on this show, we're going to talk about some brilliant recipes and we'll even be tasting some of Tom's own creations. Welcome to the BBC Good Food podcast with chef Tom Kerridge and food writer Rosie Burkett. And today we're talking about sausages. Love a sausage. Whoever invented them, I mean, they're genius. What what a brilliant person that was. I mean, <laughs> they are just amazing, aren't they? I mean, what they're, that? they're just so wonderful in every way, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're, they're so fantastic. Them? I mean, a British banger. It's just it's just brilliant. But it, it, the, the whole process of it, the, the understanding the ideas of like salamis and all those sort of cured meats is fantastic. But really, a good British sausage, minced pork put through with some seasonings and some flavourings and then served inside a little skin, fried rather than grilled. I mean, you've got, like, if you're going to have sausage, you may as well fry it and give it that lovely crispy outside. Absolutely delicious. It's Love such a, a clever idea, isn't it? Because it's mince meat, which is brilliant anyway, isn't it? With, yeah. with tasty flavourings, easy and quick to cook, in a convenient shape, a friendly kind of amusing shape. And you can do all sorts of things <laughs> with them, can't you? Yeah, and they're so good for, you know, you can freeze them and, and have them ready to go. Um, and if you're looking... Mine never get near the freezer because they get eaten. <laughs> yeah, but they're a great thing to have in the fridge, aren't they? For yeah. a quick, quick uh, after-work dinner or, you know, for a nice brunch. Um, you can't really beat a, a sausage. You would want to freeze them individually, wouldn't you, rather than in a block? Or do you freeze them as a block? Uh, I just freeze them in a... You in... don't care, do you, no, Rosie? No, I just, <laughs> just get them in the freezer, let them defrost, and then they're fine. Yeah. Yeah. But the letting them get defrosted, would be, I'm, I'm giving you a household hint here, because mm. you know I like giving you household hints, yeah. that if you froze them individually, 
they would defrost more quickly, wouldn't they? Yeah. So how do you in what what do you encase them in to freeze them individually? About a plastic bag. Plastic bag. That's a lot of plastic, Orlando. Yeah, that's true. But you I'm can't all about ju- you couldn't down. just put your raw sausages. Honestly, in the, what are we talking about? <laughs> Let's get Why back are we to talking it. about freezing a sausage? You want to cook them? Wait, oh, what are we? To- no one wants to freeze sausages. We want to cook but sausages. But if you bought in too many and then you, you know, there's no such thing as too many sausages. What are you talking about? You two are mental. Honestly, <laughs> sausages. You buy the right amount. Get them from the butcher. Get, I like um, fry them, eat them, job done. <laughs> there's nothing too many. You can have them for dinner in the evening, and then if there's some left over in the morning, you have sausage sandwiches. Like just keep eating sausages; they're great. <laughs> you know they're called bangers. Yeah, they don't bang anymore. No, do you, do you, do, why is that? Because when they originally, so they were original sausages were formed um, with the pork, the pork flavouring, the, the, all the flavourings and the rusk and whatever else, and then they're they're wartime, so they were put into the the intestine of the pig, so that was the original lining. So then when it was fried, the water content would um, pop, basically the intestine would expand and burst, and that was when they would make their noise. But that's when they were bangers. Oh, wow. Now the lining or what the, the encasement of a sausage is normally a synthetic material. So it's not the it's not the intestine anymore. It's the flavouring and then served into a synthetic sausage skin. So there you go. Thank you Good very much. There. there you are. I think you can get sausages wheel in in uh, actual natural skins rather than rather than synthetic skins, can't you? Or some they, butchers they, do them. Some butchers, yeah. retro butchers. Perhaps. Yeah, but the the process that it goes through isn't. It's not quite the same, so that they don't expand and pop. Yeah. Do you need to prick them? I still prick them. No, but you don't need to. I no. don't. Let's all the fat out. Yeah, see, you were pricking them, right? That was because then they, they were popping and expanding. You don't need to do no, that anymore. I, I Things don't... have moved on. It's like we don't need to salt <laughs> aubergines anymore. Right. Really? Oh. Yeah. Why not? Well, the bitterness of the flavor, like they're they're now they're now kind of like bread so much that that bitterness flavor is not there. Like you don't need you still salt over drinks. I thought it was to do with drawing out the moisture. No, yeah, well, that's one thing, but so, the original salt in, was to draw out the bitterness oh. of the flavours. So because of the that was in the moisture that was in the water, so you don't need to do that no more either, mate. Okay. My world, you can just straight grill it. Delicious. <laughs> yeah. All my favourite things you're stopping now. Not um, what. Well, if you you can please feel free to continue pricking your sausages or and no, salting my aubergines yes. if I wish to. Um, you mentioned rusk. Is rusk the same thing as breadcrumbs? Or uh, rusk? Yeah, I think so. Well, no, it's yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not a butcher that has made them with rusk. I, I, I think mean, rusk I think, is a bit drier. Yeah, I think it is something. I think it's yeah. quite powdery. Yeah. I think it's very don't powdery. They, don't spans. they feed babies rusks? Isn't that rusks baby food? Probably I think some people in do. Milk yeah. Or something, or is that, that again? We're going back. Babies to Babies chew on rusks when they're teething, but <laughs> we, we digress. Is that the same rusk? I, I'm not sure if it's the sausages. same one, whether, whether it's exactly the same one that goes into a sausage. I couldn't be 100% sure. Now, we've talked about British sausages, but there are other types. We've got the Toulouse sausages. Where are we on Toulouse sausages? Delicious. Amazing. It's just, is it like a British sausage with garlic in it and very coarse? Wine. Is that the definition of a Toulouse yeah. sausage? Garlic and pepper, like very big, powerful flavours that come from the Toulouse area of France, basically. So lots of garlic, lots of pepper, and lots big, big, strong flavours. Absolutely <laughs> delicious. And they're not a breakfast sausage. Right. Like the, the good British banger is something that you'd see as having as a, as a breakfast dish. A lot of, a Toulouse sausage or, you know, a lot of the European sausages are much more to be used throughout the day. Yeah. yeah. 
normally do, have them do as a breakfast in a, in a exactly. cassoulet or something with lentils like that. for lunch. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. And then the Italian sausages are also garlicky, aren't they? They and have fennel, a lot, fennel and chili. Yeah. yeah, and also quite high in fat content. The garlic, mm. uh, the the Italian ones, but they're absolutely delicious. They're, they're lots awesome. of flavorings. They're flavor vehicles for everything that's just lovely that goes with that kind of mince. And then merguez sausage. I love a merguez mm. sausage. That, that's lamb. That's isn't lamb. It? Yeah. That's spicy, spicy North African flavors that come with merguez sausages. And then, then you've delicious. got your Spanish ones, your chorizo or the is uh, the uh, chorizo <clears throat> styles sausages that you can get, the ones that you fry. Yeah. Sorry, because you get the dried or the type that you can fry as well and have in a meal, aren't yeah. they? Absolutely, and delicious. Yeah, chorizo is fantastic. You know, the, the, the way that you go with, you know, you can get really spicy, picante ones that are absolutely delicious. And they can go a long, long way because they're really high in fat content as well. So if you use them and fry them off first and that flavour comes out, then you can add everything else into the pan and mm. that chorizo flavour goes through. I mean, they, they're so versatile. They're so amazing. But... Mm. The best ones are still a great British sausage with a few, you know, dried herbs to it, quite nicely, heavily seasoned with with salt and pepper, and and let the pork just do do the work for you. They're amazing. I mean, I would go sausage sandwich over bacon sandwich. That's pretty controversial, but I would I would go sausage mm. over bacon. Yeah. Is it always better the higher the meat content you go, or do you think there's a kind of level where you want to have the the rusk to give a kind of bouncy? chewiness rather than it being like solid meat because I've had some that from the butcher that are very solid they end up I think like, they need a high fat content rather yeah. than rather than rusk I'd go for a higher a higher fat content this is the health podcast here isn't yeah. it but the fat the fat helps make them nice and juicy and succulent and also carries the flavor of whatever's in, in there and the flavor of the pork and how coarse do we like the 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 meat mints I like them re- reasonably coarse yeah, I, th- I think you've got to go. I think they've got to have texture, and 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 I think a mixture of two different t- cuts of pork that normally go through it. The ones that we, when we normally make sausages, we'll use uh, pork shoulder and we'll use pork belly, so you get that mm. pork fat contact going through. Vegan and vegetarian sausages have been catching on recently, and. Good Food did a favourite recipe podcast about toad in the hole, in which they tried them and they found them practically as good as meat sausages. I wondered if you tried vegan or vegetarian sausages. I haven't, but I have tried the famous vegan sausage roll. um, And I thought it worked quite well because you're talking about a sort of sausage product that would be heavily processed in the first place. And actually, in that situation, I quite like the idea of having a, you know, a vegan one. Um, and and it's it, got the herbs and it the had all the herbs and, and the savouriness and, yeah. and it worked nicely in the pastry. Um, but yeah, I'm, I imagine that having a, a good vegan or vegetarian sausage would be lovely if you are, you know, someone who's come to vegetarianism or veganism later on in life, because you've probably still got those childhood memories of enjoying, you know, enjoying a good sausage. Tom, you must get a lot of vegetarian and vegan guests in your restaurants nowadays. We do, yeah, we do massively. But we, do, we when we when we look after them, we, we and we we care very much as well. So we, we have separate menus for vegetarians and for vegans. They get an actual their own menu of, of their course, own things. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, do they share a menu or one for vegetarians or in a different one for vegans? One one for each. Which, one right. There's a different one for each, and there, there's some dishes can be adapted, but but most of it they're, they're they're separate. And listen, the choice is never going to be as big as the main menu because we're not a, a vegan or vegetarian restaurant but we do care for those guests massively you know there is a choice there um but we kind of celebrate vegetables and in in their best quality we don't try to go through that process of pretending 
it's something else that it isn't. You know, you go through, you know, it's about showcasing vegetables. And that's where that this move now for vegetarian and veganism is great because I think it does help um, people see the importance of vegetables and how versatile they are and how beautifully they can be cooked. And, but for us, you know, listen, the main process of what we do is always going to be um, that balance between it, we are a meat-led restaurant and the Hand and Flowers in particular is somewhere that is, you know, we we that's what that's what I eat is what I do and the best restaurants with the best chefs are always done by chefs that are cooking food that they want to eat because they give so much more it's heart and soul and that when the food goes out there, there should always be a bit of the chefs are in that kitchen which wishing it was them that was eating that plate and that's what gives things that little extra edge but that doesn't mean to say that we value um, vegetarians or vegans any less who that same heart and soul and care should go into it but we try not to do a vegetarian sausage or a vegan sausage because you know, a sausage to me is maybe pork meat or, you know, or at least meat. So so we try to showcase the vegetables in their best way. But, yeah. you know. We had an interesting question in from social media from Travelling Emma's Dilemma about gluten-free sausages, because a lot of what you might call ordinary sausages now are labelled gluten-free. They obviously make sure that they haven't got that the rusk is gluten-free rusk. And they said, should I buy gluten-free sausages because they're the meat's better quality? in the gluten-free ones. I don't think the meat would be better quality, but I don't think there's anything wrong with a gluten-free sausage. I don't, because a lot of them are gluten-free, only you didn't realise it, if you look. Yeah. Now. I mean... You're always going to get the better quality sausage you're going to get from a, a high street butcher, butcher and butchers yeah. that are making them themselves rather than that process. That, uh, just because it's gluten free right. doesn't mean that the meat is better. No, it just means no, that there's a higher meat content or there's something else that's emulsified it and helping it hold it And together. you would ask your butcher, is that a gluten free sausage? It wouldn't surprise me at all if they're not putting gluten free rusk in it if they're putting rusk in it. If your butcher it, is making it, they'll know what's gone into it. And that's really important. If you're buying it from a packet, there is a process that it's going through somewhere that then the person that's selling it to you doesn't know 100%. You're only going with what's on the label, but you don't know where the food is from. You don't know where the meat product from is in the first place. That's not saying it's bad, but it's always nice to have that connectivity. Yeah. There are so many things you can do with sausages. I mentioned the Toad in the Hole podcast where you can get a million and one ideas for different ways to do toad in the hole but any other favorite sausage dishes pigs in blankets anyone a little favorite of mine pigs in blankets i love a pig in blankets yeah um i i've got really fond childhood memories of sausage casserole um which um one of my uh, ex-boyfriend's dad used to make for us and it was always lots of red wine lots of fried onions um delicious woody herbs and it was just really really comforting um served up on piles of buttered mash so i, I love a sausage casserole still to come on bbc good foods podcast with tom kerridge one of the supermarkets did, uh, for Valentine's Day, a love sausage, which was a heart-shaped sausage. Yeah. And then what was it called? Ju- <laughs> it was called the love sausage. Don't pretend you don't know, Rosie Burkett. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. We're going to be sampling a Tom Kerridge dish in a few minutes in the in the form of sausage and buttermean stew, which Sounds might good. bring back some some very happy memories. Also, sausage pasta, like um, using the using a really good. I mean, particularly works well with obviously an Italian sausage. Um, making a kind of quick ragu with uh, with the sausage meat and instead of mince meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah. It's, it lends itself to a quicker kind of cook ragu. So with a splash of wine, some onion, maybe some fennel. Um, maybe some fresh tomatoes chopped in there and fried fried down with the sausage and then put put through some nice orecchetti or something like that with a splash of pasta water, nice grating of parmesan. Super tasty, really delicious. isn't it? There's, because you're getting all the seasoning from the sausages in your in your finished dish, yeah. which kind of livens, livens it up no end. Scotch eggs. Have you made scotch eggs? Yes. Rosie? Yeah. And Tom, yeah, I'm sure we, you, yeah, you specialise in scotch eggs. Yeah, we do lots of them. I love it. And they, and they and they vary in lots of different flavours. But, you know, scotch eggs, gala pies, amazing. Again, with that kind of sausage meat around it. With it with oh, that's, nice that's the egg in the middle. That is the with egg. With the endless the egg. Well, How yeah. is that endless egg done? How is it the tubular egg? Okay, so well, I, I know how they make that, but we don't do them. We do them as individual with little little quails eggs in it, a bit like a scotch egg, but oh. we bake it with the pie around the outside. But that one is done, so it's so it's yolks that are put into a tube and pie. then cooked, and then oh. whites oh. and the, another tube around the outside, and they poach the whole thing, so wow. it steams it. So, wow. that, so so then they can put like a long <laughs> egg, so no matter where you take that slice, yeah, because you, you have, never get an end, do you? exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Except we we like to cook them where where the egg is still nice and runny in the middle, so you can't do that with with a, the a never-ending egg. Mutant egg. Yeah, yeah, the never-ending <laughs> egg. It's quite cool, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, cool. to, like, the, the thought process that goes behind it. Yeah. It's like a massive, long vionetta, isn't it? Yeah. It's just like, of <laughs> egg. <laughs> I had a contraption when I was uh, in in my 20s, which was a, a like a press where you could make a hard-boiled egg a cube. Oh, so wow. You shell, you, when it was still hot, you shelled it and then you put it and then you screwed it up like a kind of torture device. Then it came out square. It was really groovy. What you did know? you do with the square eggs? 
amazed your friends with them. Hey, check this out. <laughs> so you could line them up in the middle of a gala pie and, it, uh, okay, you, it wouldn't be quite con- the never-ending egg, but it would be like lots of eggs or square. It was square section. You want that for the restaurant now, don't you? Shall I, I am. I'm Sounds going. really good. I'm okay. going to see if it's still available I'm and going, try and find you a, a Scotch eggs. A yeah, square square Scotch, Scotch eggs. When you squeeze it, the yolk will split. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm already on to the next thing. Going, How do we make the yolk? What can I do? I'm, if anyone can do it, you can do that, Tom. We'll work it out. Yeah. I want a square egg maker. <laughs> That's what I want. Now, we've got online a video showing you how to make... Square eggs. Egg. No, got oh. eggs, <laughs> if you want to. They are actually, for the home cook, they're actually quite a hassle. They're, they're, love, they're, they're absolutely lovely. They're fun, though. It's a fun process. Yeah, they, yeah. Yes, but the it's quite a few stages. If you egg and breadcrumb them at the it's end, it's a project. And then, it is, yeah. And then you'd want to make quite a few, and then you'd probably want to. Rosie and I would want to freeze them, wouldn't we, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> well, we end up with too much food. We haven't got a restaurant here. We can't, you know, eat. Get more 20, friends. Twenty-four. Bring, all, in, bring all your mates. Trying for years. <laughs> my my dad used to make Scotch eggs, and that, that that was a sort of real childhood signature dish of his because my mum did the majority of the cooking but my dad had like certain dishes that he'd do and scotch eggs was one made from scratch and then served with a homemade tomato sauce that was just so good with the with like a sharp really lovely tomato sauce with a good homemade scotch egg does the egg in the middle have to be uh solid or slightly runny because very often now you find them slightly runny the egg in the middle don't you i think it's nice if they're not you know, not really overcooked. I, th- I don't mind if they're not super runny, but if they're just a little bit glossy, that's nice. What do you aim for? Runny. Oh, it should be runny. It should be te- texturally as well. It's a, an overcooked egg is pretty bad. Yeah. It's just suddenly, it has all kind of a sulfur smell to it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it just becomes texturally boring and boingy. I mean, no one likes a boingy egg, do they? You want it, you want it soft. You want that texture that works really nice. Unless it's nice a square it. egg. Unless it's a square egg, <laughs> yeah. You can get away with anything. I, yeah, yeah. You go, I got a square egg. It's boingy. It doesn't matter. It's square. <laughs> exactly. Um, what's your favourite thing to serve with sausages? Say, So you've got some lovely sausages sizzling in the pan and you're, you want to sit down with them. What do you want to eat with those? Well, again, going back to childhood, we always used to have white bread with because we used to roast the sausages in the oven so that all the dripping would collect in the roasting tray and then we'd have white bread to dip into the dripping because we used to do um sausages with tomatoes as well so the tomatoes kind of roast and then the juices from the tomato and the and the sausages meld together so you've got these like dripping juices with tomato as well and then a bit of white bread dip that through this the roasting tray. This was a tray. gourmet household that you were brought up in, isn't well, it, Well, sausages was my parents. They actually, they they wanted to open a restaurant just sausage, serving sausage, sausage and mash. Yeah, that was their idea. They really? didn't do it, but they wanted to. And my dad had a sausage maker as well, which was hilarious. He got really, really obsessed with sausages. And he used to make his own sausages. They're, it's really rude making your own sausages. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. We, that, we have not got a video online of making <laughs> your own, putting your own sausages in a there. sausage machine. It is really quite... Quite it's something, very funny. something to see, isn't it? But I bet you make them in the restaurant, don't you, Tom? No, we have done. Yeah. Yeah. We can't do it anymore because everyone just laughs too much. <laughs> you can make some really fantastic flavours, though. Um, and what else apart from... Uh, do we have mashed potato with them apart? You've got your white bread dip, dripping in... Yeah, yeah, we d- we juices. used to have it with white bread, but white I know bread. that's quite unconventional. But obviously, and mash is ketchup delicious. Ketchup or, or, or mustard? Mustard, English mustard. English mustard. I like lots of different mustards. 
An array of masters. Mm. Very, very sophisticated it's, today, I mean, isn't it's she? It's be honest, yeah. next level, isn't yeah. it? I'm, I'm going, oh, your childhood was just like, <laughs> it's like, no wonder you're a food writer. Yeah. It's just so perfect. <laughs> it's just like the food, perfect food. Uh, I'd have got you know, sliced white bread, English mustard, nice, uh, brown, brown sauce, standard, like HP, not daddy's, because, you know, HP, it's, it's different level, next level. And then maybe, uh, if not, if you're doing it for dinner, I mean, it's mashed potato, onion gravy is good. Mm. But like, childhood memory for me is oven chips and baked beans sausage chips baked beans it's just great I mean it's one yeah. of those things that you just absolutely love my little man is his favourite thing sausages he, he's obsessed with sausage, sausages and steak you know either one like he, you know he's, he's mad loves it he'll have them for breakfast he has them Actually, the other morning he did have sausage and blueberries for breakfast. But, you know, I mean, who's <laughs> judging is fine. You know, he's, he's four years old. He Already has experimental yeah, flavour yeah, combinations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just like, no, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's experimenting. He's just going, I like blueberries. I like, I like sausages. sausages. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having them on the same plate. I think baked beans are essential with sausages. I really like baked beans. Yeah, they're the great. The kind of juiciness of them. Yeah, they were they weren't really nice. At one time, couldn't you get tins of baked beans that had the sausages already in them? You, what do you mean? One time you can still you can get still get them. them. You can still get them. Hundred percent. Yeah. Is that the same the same make that you get the, the, the circular bits of spaghetti spaghetti hoops? Yeah, do they yeah. come with sausages in them as well? Yeah, uh, I don't know. You can get spaghetti mm. hoops with sausages. Maybe you can. Yeah, they also do pepper pig with them as well now. So I mean, you can get all sorts of stuff. You know, any any shape you like in a tomato well, sauce in a tin. As you were b- brought up in the house of sausages, I would expect you to know about all canned sausage. Yes, <laughs> we we used to have hot dog nights with, and I remember my mum opening these cans of of hot dog sausages and boiling them in. I think she boiled them in the cans. Sorry, mum, if I'm misremembering <laughs> that. And then we used to have have like hot dog nights. So we'd have these soft white rolls with. Fried onions, hot dogs, mustard. As but they were from a, a tin. baseball game. Or yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And did you watch sport on TV at the same time? Did uh, you? How the? How much did your parents theme? I, I feel like we were life? watching the Bill and London's Burning. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they were so good. Now, how do we cook our sausages? Again, online we've had quite uh, on social media we've had quite a few people in in anguish about the correct way to cook sausages. Do you roast them? Do you boil them? Do you, do you grill them? Do you fry them? Tom's fry. eyes, Tom's fry. eyes light up I mean, at the fry. fry word. I mean, you can stick them in. To be honest, you can do them pretty much anywhere you like. You can put them in the grill. You got to keep turning them. You can throw them in the oven. That's fine. You can leave them alone for quite a bit, or you fry them. And fry them for me is probably the best way. It gets the best texture for me on the outer skin. It's the nicest way of doing it. And I love them. There's a nice way. Like there's a good way of doing like a Cumberland sausage. You know the Cumberland swirl sausage. Mm. If you get the, the, whole, the, the, the coiled one. Yeah, the coiled one. Yeah. So you get frying pan. So you get one of those right, and you fry that one side and then you flip it over once it's coloured and, and lovely mm. and then you pour in chicken stock and you cook it and you reduce it down so it poaches and you've got the fried crispy skin oh. then it poaches in chicken stock until the chicken stock has pretty much almost evaporated take the sausage out and you've got a little bit of chicken stock that's left in the pan with all the sausage juices throw in a little knob of butter, squeeze a brown sauce, and you kind of mix it together, and you create your own kind of like sausage gravy, oh, wow. and then you've got the thing. That's fantastic. I mean, it's, I'm going to try that. That yeah. sounds yeah, incredible. It's, it's, <laughs> and that that coiled sausage. Did you say that's the Cumberland? Sausage? Cumberland sausage is that yeah. always coiled or just sometimes coiled? No, uh, just some like Cumberland sausage is um, is the flavouring. The, the, there's a Lincolnshire sausage, there's a Cumberland sausage. Yeah. Cumberland's a, a peppery one. Yeah, I, I, but the Cumberland they do it as a ring. You can't. Yeah, you get it as the ring, and it's delicious. I mean, it's lovely. 
it's a nice way of doing it. So instead of doing it individual ones, you put the whole thing in the pan, fry it, flip it over, start, yeah. and it's lovely. Wow. And you can you can like carve it like a joint. One of the supermarkets did uh, for Valentine's Day a love sausage, which was a heart-shaped sausage, which I think you would treat the same way you would put that in a pan. Yeah. And crispy salt. <laughs> yeah. And then put what was some it called? Ju- <laughs> it was called the love sausage. And I think it was sold out. It was very, very successful because Valentine couples or one half of the couples were <laughs> like the love sausage queuing up to get them. And they the shells were bare of love sausages. Was that this year? Yes. Oh. And last year. Don't pretend you don't know Rosie Burkett. <laughs> now, I just want—I just want to share a cooking method, a rather cumbersome cooking method, like not Cumberland, but cumbersome cooking method. That a guy that I knew who was an Irish sausage maker mm-hmm. said that he used for his competitions, and it, it does work quite well. But it might have been specific for very artisanal sausages. But what he did was he put them, he covered them in cold water, brought them to the boil drained them, and then fried them. And that meant that they were perfectly cooked always to the centre. So poached them poached first. Poached them, and then he was able to judge the browning perfectly. But that isn't really necessary because they do cook through normally to the centre, don't they? Yeah, that to me sounds like you'd possibly be overcooking them because you want you want to. For me, you want to treat them like it's a piece of a joint of meat or a piece of yeah. meat where you're frying them in the, in the pan and you're using that residual heat to take them off, leave them to rest a little bit. Look, the same as you would a piece of meat. You t- take them out and don't serve them immediately. Leave them to rest and let that mm. residual heat cook through all the way through to the middle. So they're still just not under, but they're not overcooked. You, you've not made them dry in the yeah. middle. You, they've still got some of that fat content and moisture. Because in when, you, when you first cook them, they're too hot to eat. They burn your tongue a bit if you're impatient, I have found. Yes. So you want to let them them cool down a bit. Yeah, we had um, Hayley Grice on social media was saying, how can you tell if they're cooked inside without cutting one open? <laughs> well, I don't think that's one of the quandaries of life, really. I think you do cut the sausage open to see if it's cooked, don't you? Hayley, what is your problem? If you oh, you cut a sausage open and have a look, don't you, to see if it's cooked. I mean, imagine, the best way of thinking about it is imagine that sausage is actually a piece of chicken, right? So imagine a piece of chicken that big, it's not very big. By the time you've fried it on all four sides, that piece of chicken's cooked. You know four I mean? sides, it's a square-shaped sausage. Well, yeah, I mean, if you think, when you, you will turn it four sides, won't you? Otherwise, you know, yeah. it's one, two, three, four, like, and you'll keep it rolling. If you think by the time that you've done that, it, imagine it's a piece of meat. You, it will be cooked in the middle. It's like, you know, it's, imagine it was a steak or, a, or you know, you'll get, it will be fine. And what do we think of chipolatas? Is that better because you've got more crustiness and you've got more more kind of stuff going on with a chipolata? Or is it a slight waste of time? I feel like chipolatas, for me, are good with a roast dinner or with a Christmas, you know, Christmas dinner because they're a lovely accompaniment to another meat. But with a, if I'm having a sausage-based meal, I think I want the big, the nice, big, juicy sausages. I think at this point, we our appetite is going so well that we should have revealed to us by Trusty Jack the sausage and butter bean stew, which you can find online at bbcgoodfood.com. It smells very delicious. I can get aromas of tomatoes and onions and and herbs. And with bread, which I approve of. Oh, and oh, lovely. And we've got the beans, beans supplied as well. So let's let's tuck into that. We're already in, look, we're already in. Those are quite little, those sausages, aren't they? Are those chipolatas? Let me have a look. 
Yeah, they are. Oh, Excellent. Lovely. Well, that was that was the perfect little um, segue that I did there into the mm. chipolatas. Is that excellent? The herbs, the rosemary in that. Does that remind you of your ex-boyfriend's dad doing that? Yeah, it does a bit. Bean casserole, mm. those, those dried herbs that you take. Yeah, really the hardy them. ones. One of the good things about sausages is that they, because they're so thoroughly seasoned, mm. they tend to kind of, whatever they go into, meat is well seasoned, isn't it? And we've talked before, Tom, about seasoning generally. And I think that you feel, I don't put words in your mouth, but you feel maybe that people don't season as... They season a bit feebly. A hundred percent. And it's very difficult because we're constantly being told about salt content and what we should and shouldn't be eating and how much of it is is good or bad for you. And yes, flavour for me comes a lot through seasoning that doesn't hit health guidelines. So you've got to go with where we're going to go here. What do you want to do? I mean, I'm not saying overseas and everything, but I am saying that, you know, don't be scared. It's the same as saying don't eat too much sugar. Like I say, never eat cake, never. Like, it's okay to do it every now and then. Make sure things taste nice. Seasoning is so important. Also, though, if you're cooking at home and you're seasoning your food, you're probably using less salt than if you're buying something that's, you know, poten- potentially yeah. already made or processed. You At least you know what salt, you, you're, how much salt you're putting in at every stage. And even if you're seasoning at every stage, it's likely that, you know, it's healthier than something which has got a lot more salt in it to make its shelf life slightly longer. It's very difficult, isn't it? Because I have heard people who are trying to cut down their family salt intake, that they do it gradually, as you're meant to do it, until they're using virtually no salt. And they say that they're all quite happy at a very low level of salt. If you went to dinner with them, you'd die of lack of flavour, wouldn't you? See, there's a word in there. They all say they're all quite happy. Yeah. <laughs> not very happy. See, that's the, that's the difference well, between have... seasoning and not seasoning. Yeah, I'm quite happy. It would be better with salt on it, though. Mm. Yeah, it kind of it it brings all the flavor, the other flavors alive, doesn't it? Yeah. It does massively. It, it, seasoning and salt is 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 purposeful for driving flavor. And when you finish a recipe, because the seasoning, it, do you season all along in a dish, or mainly at the end, uh, and check it at the end, or how does it work for you? For me, it depends on the process and, and the science of it. So some things, if you're cooking a steak or roasting a chicken, you season at the beginning. You season a steak before you cook it um, solely because um, it's quite important because the salt draws moisture that helps give a nice crust and a skin on a steak, those sort of things. And then, but if it's something like this sausage casserole here at the end of it, I would season at the end. I would make sure, gone through the whole process and then what does it need now to make it come alive? Is it salt? Is it pepper? Is it acidity? Is it, you know, you, you That t- was just what I was going to ask you. What are the finishing touches that you will do a, a last minute check on before something goes out at the hand and flowers? Always, always salt, salt, pepper, seasonings, acidity levels, but a lot of things are checked beforehand. But then something like this, okay, finished with fresh herbs right at the end that makes it come alive so like a bean stew is something that has those slow cooked flavours that emulsify and cook that taste better for longer but you want something that makes it come alive so chopped parsley right at the end amazing and do your chefs 
uh, have they learnt your palate so that they can say, oh, Tom would want more salt in that or Tom would want a bit more acidity in that? And by acidity, do you mean a splash of lemon juice or vinegar or...? Hardly ever lemon juice, but it, yeah, uh, uh, but quite often things like um, vinegar, things like apple, things like um, uh, things like reduction of uh, just uh, raw alcohol, the things that go finish, uh, things that lift, things that make things come alive, things Is, that grated lime on it or some, something that And makes, why not lemon juice? Which, which was the most obvious one that I could think of. Because it's incredibly acidic. So it dries flavour. It, it actually kills a lot of things. Lemon right. juice. It's lemon zest is one thing. Lemon juice is a different... Lemon juice is... I mean, it's, it's an acid. So as you add something to it, although the flavour profile is... It, it, it is for acidity. However, the process of it, what it does to everything else, kills it, flattens. You know, if you put lemon juice onto a salad and you leave it there for five minutes, the salad's dead. Do you know what I mean? The yeah. leaves have wilted. It's, it's like, you know, so you look, but if you grated lemon zest on it, you, you would, the, the salad then would still have that lovely lemon zesty vibrancy, but it would still be alive. So, yeah, so we try to avoid lemon juice quite a lot. Um, and yes, the chefs are trained, as particularly Sue and head chef level. They always know the profiles. We have a, people that have worked with us for years and years. Pretty much every head chef in, in all the restaurant have been with me for at least seven years, if not more. So the guys have been with us for a long, long time and they understand the profiles of what we look for, what we want. We build all the dishes together and then the other guys underneath them are learning how to do them. Yeah. I've learned so much about sausages. I would like to thank Chef Tom and food writer Rosie for a banger of a podcast. Look forward to seeing you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the BBC Good Food podcast with Tom Kerridge. Subscribe now to never miss an episode. And to find out more about the recipes we've been talking about, go to bbcgoodfood.com.